Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you. Everybody sounds happy today. How many of you are enjoying the beautiful weather that we're having this spring? Come on now. Don't worry, it'll probably snow tomorrow. That's Idaho for you, right? Well, we're so glad you're joining us today. For all of you that are here in person, we're just so thankful that we get to gather and worship together. For those of you that are joining us online, we love you guys. So thankful that you're joining with us today as we get to celebrate Easter together and really what that means. And we'll get to that here in a few minutes. But, I mean, I hope you guys have taken some time over these past few days to go with us on the journey that we've been on as a church for with Graves to Gardens. We had an incredible time on Friday night of just remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us on the cross, the fact that he was willing to die for us. Um, our family actually had a really fun time. We had to kind of block all of our windows and everything to just get that, that, that candle lit kind of feel as we were gathering together. But it was a powerful moment when we blew out those candles and were just reminded of the darkness that this world felt and was impacted by when Jesus died. Uh, but you know, it's pretty interesting for us. We have the, the privilege of being able to look backwards and knowing that he rose from the dead, right? But they didn't. And so that moment of just kind of allowing that to soak in with us Friday night and then yesterday of, of really remembering Sabbath rest and what it means to rest in God. And today we have the privilege of just getting to celebrate the fact that, that this king that we've put our hope in is risen from the dead. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, I hope some of you got up this morning and enjoyed the sunrise. Um, how many of you noticed that they said the sunrise was supposed to be at 723 this morning, some of you? Um, and it actually didn't even happen until like 740. I'm not sure how that works. Somebody was lying to us, but our family was sitting out in the grass in our front yard um, trying to enjoy the sunrise, but we were waiting an awfully long time for it. Yeah, it was more dawn, and that was funny. I, I got to explain that to my kids. They're like, where's the sun? I'm like, well, it's coming. And they're like, well, why is it light in the sky? And I'm like, well, it's dawn. And so we got to talk for like five minutes about dawn while I was hoping the sun was going to come up even faster. It didn't, so we just sat there and enjoyed our time together. and It was really fun. But families, I really want to encourage you to have these moments, create these moments with each other. They're powerful. They're awesome times that we have. I'm learning so quickly how quick the time goes with our kids. I have teenagers. My son and I, just this last week, were visiting college campuses. I don't know how that happened, but just a few years ago, he was a chubby little kid running around here having fun. And now he's a young man getting ready to go to college. But I just, for all of us, I want to remind us that life is short. As we take these moments to look at Easter, to look and celebrate this this Resurrection Sunday that we're celebrating today, I want to remind you to grab those moments with your family and your kids, your spouse and, and grandmas and grandpas, because they are such meaningful times in our lives to get to enjoy this journey that we're in. I'm so grateful that we get to do this together as a church family. Um, I don't know if you guys remember one year ago at this time, but we were all sitting in our houses, not getting to enjoy gathering together and celebrating Easter and uh, I'm just so grateful to get to be here today. I'm grateful for uh, the fact that we get to gather. And uh, for all of you parents that got to wake up this morning to some Easter eggs in your front yard, you can thank our student ministries. We had a bunch of teens. Come on now, let's give them a hand. 
running around all over the Treasure Valley last night putting Easter eggs out and laughing and having a blast. And it's just fun to get to do life together. And so we're going to jump into today, and I want, to, I want to give you some fun Easter facts. Everybody ready for some fun Easter facts today? We're going to get started a little lightheartedly um, and just enjoy our time together. And then we're going to dive into Scripture and just be reminded of this wonderful Savior that we have. Here's, here's a good Easter fact for you, uh, that there are more than 120 million pounds of candy created just for Easter. I want you to think about that. 120 million pounds. People, we've got a problem. Come on now. 16 billion, that is the number of jelly beans that were created just for Easter. 16 billion. Listen, we only have 7.8 billion people on the planet. That means everybody gets at least two. And I know some of you have had way more than two. Come on now. That's a lot of jelly beans. Here, here's a good one for you. 15,873 pounds, 34 feet tall, is the tallest chocolate Easter egg ever created. 2011 in Italy. Those people in Italy know what they're doing. Come on now. That is incredible. Can you think about that? 15,000 pounds of chocolate. Some of you are like, that sounds like heaven to me. Come on. How about this one? Five million marshmallow chicks and bunnies are made daily, daily in preparation for Easter. Daily. Where's all this sugar coming from? That's what I got. I'm trying to figure this out. You know what's funny, though? This was a fun fact that I looked up. Uh, here, here it is. In 1953 was the first time that peeps were made. Anybody like peeps in the room? Those things are like toxic waste, people. I'm just telling you right now. Come on now. 1953, it took them 27 hours to make a peep. Now, that's a fun fact for you right there. They had to make them by hand in 1953. Now, it takes them a whole sum of 62 seconds to make the peeps that we eat. I think I want to go back to the 27 hours. I bet they were better for us, huh? Final one right here. 90 million chocolate bunnies were made for Easter. 90 million, we don't even have that many real bunnies on the planet, people, but we're devouring chocolate ones. Come on now. Out of all the information I just gave you, can everybody just say diabetes? Man, we, we, we wonder why we have a health crisis. It's Easter. Easter's killing us, right? Jesus rose from the dead, but the candy companies are trying to put you in it. Come on now. Like, it, it's, there's just this reality that we live in, I think, a lot of times that we don't, we're not even aware of all that's going on around us. When we think of Easter, like, for most of us growing up, we think of chocolate bunnies, and we think of Easter egg hunts, and we think of all that, and it's wonderful, and it really, it makes Easter a, a really joyous and a fun time for us, but there's this reality of something that took place about 2,000 years ago that really changed the whole landscape for humanity. And I want to open us up today in a passage of Scripture. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read a passage of Scripture that's going to set us up today for just a moment of remembrance for us. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 9. It says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. I love looking at the look on some of your faces right now. 
But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Now, some of you are like, this is Easter, Tim. Why are we reading about Christmas? This is, this is Easter when Jesus rose from the dead, not when he was born in Bethlehem. How many of you know, in order, to, in order to understand really the context of a story, it's really good to start at the beginning. Hollywood's got this figured out really well. They like producing movies for us. And at the beginning of the movie, they show us this incredible scene and start unpacking this story. And then all of a sudden, they stop and put at the bottom of the screen two years before then right? And they take you back and they tell you the story that was leading to the point of what they just built all your expectation about. And God actually originated that when he started telling us the story of his son Jesus. Clear back when it came to the Christmas story. Because the story of Easter began when there was a proclamation from heaven saying, hey, here's the end. I want to show you what the end is. This is Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. And the shepherds in the field were going, okay. They didn't even understand or have context for a Savior in that moment. And it took Jesus' lifetime and this journey that God took him on on this planet to explain what it meant that he would be the Savior of the world. They had some context for Messiah, but they thought that Jesus was going to come and conquer the Roman Empire. They thought that, that the children of Israel were going to be the people that ruled and reigned on this planet. But they didn't understand was that was not what the kingdom of God was all about. That God had a bigger plan in place for the souls of humanity. That God wanted to do something about this sin problem that plagued us all. And it began in this moment with angels proclaiming that the Savior had been born. See, that was the beginning of the story that you and I now get to live in, is this reality that Jesus came to this world and had a very specific mission and purpose that he was on. And when we understand that, it helps to set the context for what we want to unpack this morning, this reality of him raising from the dead. See, I believe that great, the greatest thing about Easter is that what it actually produces in us is, is a place of thanksgiving. I know I'm pulling in all the holidays. I get it. I get it. But when we think about Easter, Easter is this, this reality, this culmination that Jesus said he was this thing, and his life not only exemplified that, but when we got to the end of his journey, he was exactly who he said he was. He was exactly who heaven proclaimed him to be, the Savior of the world. Easter completely changed the course of humanity. Easter completely changed the narrative for what we see and have seen happening in our world with the ravages of sin and its impact upon humanity. Jesus came in and completely flipped the script. But here's the reality of this. Many times, and I would, I would say even for those of you that have been in church many, many times in your life, or maybe even would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, and, and this is a very normal rhythm of your life, would be gathering and walking in relationship with him, that I would say many times we wrestle with this reality, did this Jesus thing really happen? Did Jesus really come? Did he really 
live? Did he really die? Did he really raise from the dead? And this is the question that, that we wrestle with. And here's what I want you to understand, that the early disciples wrestled with the same thing. They were super confused when they had pledged their life to follow this man that then they watched him die on a cross and get buried in a tomb. They were super confused in the moment when they were like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Even though Jesus had already told them this was the process, they didn't make any sense to them. This was not what they had pictured in their mind. And many of us today grow up and have grown up in a culture that is skeptical about everything. We question everything that's around us, and some of it is for good reason, right? We have this, this innate kind of thing built into us as human beings to question what we're told, to question even what we see, to question what we experience. And what it oftentimes does is puts us in a position that can be very challenging when it comes to faith, when it comes to believing God's Word for what it says about this person of Jesus. We're skeptical about everything. We have questions about everything. We live in a culture that that tells us that that's not only a good thing, but to to lean into that, right? And and so therefore, we get these crazy theories like, is the world flat or round? Where did that come from? Somebody questioning, right, this reality of, of, is is, is the world really round? Is Is it really, right? We we wrestle this in our culture. I know some of us are like, I don't know, is it? Like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Come on, there's, this, there's these, these questions that we, we constantly have. There's these things that we're constantly questioning in life. Is Bigfoot real? I don't know. Can we trust our government? Let's just move right on from that one. There's this reality of questioning that lies and resides in all of us. And the disciples felt it in the moment that they realized that Jesus was dead. And and many of us wrestle through that as well. And when we're processing and working through our faith, there might be some of you that are here today, and the only reason you're here is because somebody invited you to come to church, and it's Easter, so it's a good thing to do, right? And, And there's some questions inside of you, like, is Jesus real? Is this God thing even real? And we live in a culture that challenges us or causes us or even provokes us to question the reality of a God. To question the reality of His Word. To question the reality of, did Jesus really go through all the things that the Word of God says that He did? And so today what I want to encourage you in is that there's there's nothing wrong with that space because that's what causes us to lean in and to learn. It's what causes us to, to, to come before God, hopefully with some questions in our heart and let him do some answers. Can I tell you that God's not nervous about this? He's not in heaven going, oh my word, they're not even sure if I'm real. God's not concerned that way. Why? Because God is more interested in the process of you discovering who he is and his love for you than he is of trying to convince you right here and now in this moment. Now here's the reality. God may convince you in a moment. But the beauty and the wonder of what we see around us in our world, the intricacies of our body, everything that we have around us speaks to this reality that there is a creator. And so God's really okay with going on the journey with us of discovering who he is. But can I tell you, at some point in time, it's going to require some faith to believe. It's going to require us to step out of the places that we're comfortable with and lead us into a place where it's going to take some faith in our lives. 
God's not frustrated by the fact that, that many times we're asking for some proofs. That we're asking for God to be real in our lives. We're asking for us to, to, to see and to feel and to experience. God is not concerned about that in your life. And I just want to put you at rest today. In fact, Jesus actually loves those moments. He loves surprising people. It's part of who he is. I mean, give me a break. He got out of a grave. Right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but Mary Magdalene was a little surprised when she showed up and the stone was rolled away and he was gone, right? There's this reality of a faith that is growing in our lives and the Easter story leads us into deeper places of trust. There's some of you that have been in church for a really long time in your life and God wants to solidify in your heart today, no, he is who he says he is. And he's done what he said he would do. I want you to go with me, if you would, to John chapter 20, verse 29. I want to give you a little context here. This is actually after Jesus had risen from the dead. And these are some encounters that Jesus had with people. Now, now be mindful of this. They knew he was dead. They saw him die on the cross. They saw him put into the grave. And here were some of the encounters, and here's some of the things that Scripture just teaches about. John 20, 29 says this, Then Jesus told them, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. It's faith. So here's Jesus. He rose from the dead. And this moment right here was actually one of those moments that was a little freaky. I'm just being honest with you. Disciples were hanging out together. They were confused, not sure what to do. They knew that Jesus had died. They knew that the tomb was empty, but they weren't really sure what was going on. So Jesus decided, hey, I want to make sure these guys understand that I am who I say I am. So he literally walks through a wall, appears to them, and says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Easy for him to say, right? And in this moment, he speaks to them this word. He says, listen, you guys got it easy. This is really what he was telling the early disciples. You guys got it easy. I'm standing right in front of you. They were able to touch him, and he invited them to do that, the proof of him being alive. They were able to touch him. He, he ate with them, and they, they talked, and they fellowshiped together. At one point in time, he's walking along a road with two of them, and they don't even recognize that it's him until all of a sudden he's like, poof, here I am. And they were like, whoa, wait a minute, that's Jesus. He's dead. Wait, no, he's alive. Like he's, and they begin to work through this process of faith in their life, and they got the advantage of him being right there with them. And Jesus said, listen, you guys have it easy. He said, there's people that are coming behind you. They're just going to have to believe. They're going to have to activate and engage their faith to know that I am who I say I am. Can I tell you, that's us here today. That's the reality that we live in in our lives today, and it requires faith to go on that journey, but it leads us to the place of greatest thankfulness in our lives. 1 Corinthians actually gives us a beautiful picture of this kind of whole thing of what it looked like for the early church. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 3, and it paints a beautiful picture here for us of what this is all about. This is Paul writing. He says, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. He's saying, listen, this is, this is the account, this is the realities that I've experienced both in my relationship, but also in the people that I interviewed and talked to. Christ died for our sins. We could stop right there, and there's a big thank you that should come out of us. Just as Scripture said, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. 
He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, and this is Paul speaking, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time. Poor Paul. He just is having a little pity party this morning. I also saw him. I want you to think about this. Paul gives this beautiful account of this reality of Jesus being raised from the dead, just like Scripture prophesied. And I just want to be clear for you. There was prophecies hundreds of years before Jesus ever even took his first breath on this planet about what he was here to do. There was prophecies that were spoken hundreds of years before he ever raised from the dead that confirmed who he was when he came out of the grave. But then not only that, he went on top of that and brought proof after proof after proof in meeting with people and and revealing himself to them after this time. And Paul's given an account of this and he's saying, and I had that experience as well on the road to Damascus. I want to speak to you this morning that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you so that you don't have to guess about who he is. So that you don't have to wonder, well, is this Jesus guy really real? Is this really a reality? I want to boldly and clearly proclaim to you this morning that Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. And that is the hope that we have as believers, as followers of Christ. And if you have not experienced a relationship with Jesus, that is the hope of your future, that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, now I want to I shift here for just a second because I, I know that there's still some questions in our heart. So how do we know that this really happened? How do we process this moment because of, of well, we, we, we've read the Bible, or Tim, you're up there telling me, so I'm assuming that I, it should be right. You're a pastor guy, so you should tell the truth. I mean, you know, we should tell the truth. But how do we really know? Well, I want to I give you just a little bit of background of how we connect history to our present. How many of you know who our first president was? George Washington, right? George Washington's our favorite. Agree on that? I'm just making sure we might have a few conspiracy folks in here, but I'm just, just saying. So George Washington was our first. I'm actually wearing my George Washington socks here today. Come on. I, I, it, I just felt the anointing. I thought it would be inspiring. So we, we know and believe that George Washington was our first president, but how many of you know that that happened in 1789, a few years ago? Anybody here born in 1789? Okay. I just, just want to make sure. A couple hundred years ago, right, we, we know that George Washington was our first president because people kept historical documents to tell us that. Passed on from generation to generation. It's in the archives of our nation. We have it written down. There were people that were actually there that day that wrote down what took place. And so we have a tendency of believing them because they were there, right? They're be with me. Come on now, I just want to make sure we're all in the same room together, right? Uh, what, what about a, another guy? So, so what about another guy? Um, let, let's, let's think of Alexander the Great. How many of you ever heard of Alexander the Great? We know about him. This man actually existed before Jesus' time, about 323 B.C. He actually set things up for the gospel to be spread all throughout the world, and we can get into that in another history lesson for everybody. But... Alexander the Great and the history that we have of him came 
and was written over 400 years after he lived. And it was written by two men that uh, most of us would not even have any reference to. Plutarch and Arian are the two definitive sources that wrote about this man, Alexander the Great. Once again, they wrote about him 400 years after his existence. And I don't think anybody in the room would go, yeah, I'm not too sure about that Alexander the Great guy. And here we have Jesus. The historical documents that surround him in his life. The four Gospels were written about 70 years after Jesus was, was here. So a very short time frame when it comes to the reality of history. Lots of other documents tell him we have over 5,000 manuscripts, original manuscripts that speak to this man Jesus who lived and was alive and died and rose from the dead. So when we talk about this person of Jesus, when we talk about this reality of history, when we talk about what we're, we're celebrating here today in Easter, I just want to be really clear with you. It is not some religious tale. It's not some wishful thinking that came from some random source of people. There's more evidence of Jesus' existence than there is of George Washington people. I want you to think about that. As you're sitting here today, maybe you, again, don't have a relationship with Christ. Whatever you put faith in in life, I want you to, to be clear. There is more historical data about the person of Jesus Christ than there is of George Washington himself. And so for us, as we sit here today, we're not building our faith on a hope or a whim or a wish. We're building our faith on a certainty about who this person, Jesus, is. So I want to present something to you today. Historically, I want to just be very candid with you. It's not a fact of if Jesus is who he says he was, if he existed in that time frame. The real question is, is what will you do with him? It's not a question of whether he existed or if we had the historical backing to, to go there or if we just gather together in churches and sing and do all these things just because it's a, a crutch or an easy way for us to try and navigate through life. No, no, no. Jesus lived, he died, and he was raised from the dead. It's historically proven. So the question is, is what will you do with him? And it's not a matter of questioning your character. It's not a matter of, do you have a brain in your head? It's a true, genuine question of what's going on in your heart. Because here's what we know about Jesus. Jesus wants to have an encounter with you. And he wants you to not only experience him historically, which I'm so thankful that we have all the proof of that. I'm standing up here today not, not guessing on this. I, I, I get to stand on the reality of history and truth. But my real question for you is, is what are you going to do with him? What do we do with the person of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus, do you live like he's actually real? Or do we walk throughout our lives questioning the reality of the one that we've put our hope in? For those of you that are here today that have maybe never put your hope in Christ, never even really contemplate that in your life, it's a good moment for you to pause and go, wait a minute, if there's all this, this proof, then, then what do I do with this Jesus? What do I do with him? And this was the question that has resounded from the time that Jesus rose from the dead to where we stand here today. What will we do with Jesus? 
We know him to be real. We know what he stood for. And we know what he died for. But what will we do with him in our lives? This is why I think Easter's the most profound moment in the history of humanity. I love chocolate bunnies. I'm thankful for all the fun that we get to have together as families. I'm very thankful for Reese's peanut butter eggs. Come on now. I know you guys are feeling, but, but the reality of it is, is Easter is so much more than all of that. Because it's a moment for all of us to pause and really recalibrate our lives around this reality of the person of Jesus Christ. That he lived and he died and he rose again so that we can have hope for eternal life. And not only that, so that you can actually enjoy this life and this journey that you're in right now. I am so thankful that heaven is my home. I'm thankful for eternity. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't die just so you could go to heaven. He died so you could experience the resurrection life right now in your life. And that's his hope for you. And that's his hope for me. The power of Easter comes in the person of Jesus and the reality of an empty tomb that we get to experience the hope that comes in knowing him. So my question for you today is what will you do with Jesus? How will you engage with him in your life? You know what's really interesting about this? I was thinking about Paul. Paul was a man that was doing all the right religious things. Do you guys know that? Like he actually felt like the persecution that he was given to these crazy Jesus followers was the right thing in his life. He felt like he was doing kingdom work in that moment until Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And all of a sudden, all these things, all this religious stuff that he thought was right changed because he actually met the person of Jesus Christ. It changed everything about his life. It changed the way that he thought, changed the way that he lived, changed all of his friends, changed everything about him. And again, I'm asking you, what are you going to do with the risen Savior? Has he impacted your life in such a way that there is something distinctly different about you in your life? Has an encounter with him caused you to go, man, I, I, I need to change some stuff in my life. I, I want to follow him. Has an encounter with you caused you to be thankful for all that he's given you in your life? As our family sat this morning and watched the sun kind of come up, um, we just took a few moments of thankfulness about what that meant for each one of us individually. And it gave us just a moment to just be still and be reminded of the goodness of our God. As we're sitting here this morning, as we get to celebrate Easter, I know a lot of you are thinking about the great food you're going to go enjoy. I just want to invite you to just pause for a moment and ask yourself, what, what am I going to do with Jesus? You may consider yourself a Jesus follower right now. That question is as applicable to you as it is to maybe somebody in this room or watching online who's never entered into relationship with Jesus. That question is as pertinent for, for me standing here today as it was almost 30-some years ago when I invited Jesus into my heart as a little seven-year-old in a Christmas play. I don't know where you're at in your life, but here's what I do know is that Jesus wants to be real to you today. He wants to meet you right where you're at. I'm going to 
pray for us here in a moment. And again, I don't know where you're at in your journey. But here's what I want to kind of draw our hearts into this morning, that no matter where we're at, what are we going to do with this Jesus, this risen Savior? How are we going to interact with him? How are we going to grow in relationship with him? Can I be very honest as well? I'm not naive. There's many, many, many who actually experienced him who chose to walk away from him. That is a reality of the world that we live in today. We each have an ability to make a choice or a decision towards him. And today, I just want to invite you, again, wherever you're at in your journey with him, to take another step closer to him today. Let your faith be built in this reality that Jesus is who he says he is. And he did what he said he would do. And that provides for us tremendous opportunity. Would you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.